Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to The Visible Artist. My name is Sophie Loxton-Lucas and I'm delighted to bring you this conversation with artist Joe Peel. Joe is a very talented creative individual whose distinctive style has taken her in many directions. In this conversation, Joe is amazingly open and honest about her work and her journey as an artist so far, so I really hope you enjoy it. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. I am excited to be sitting here with Joe Peel. Based in Sheffield, Joe is a painter, printmaker, animator and filmmaker. She is best known for her large-scale murals and installations that depict ever-changing urban landscapes. She captures details such as brickwork, windows and drain pipes in black lines on a white background and then adds washes of bold colour, often bright blue, orange or purple. And this is a really distinctive style and it can be seen across her projects, including her recent short film Gravity, her growing city installation for the Festival of the Mind and her amazing collaboration and large scale work at the Chelsea Flower Show. And there's even a picture of the Queen standing in front of her piece at the show. Jo says, the central theme in my work is urban regeneration. The topic has continued to engage me over the last 15 years. I explore gentrification and the interplay between the man-made and the natural world. Capturing moments within cities, I observe the human footprint and record how it is now. Joe, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, perhaps we could just start by you telling me a bit about your work and where you are at the moment. Where I am at the moment. So I'm, I'm currently setting up for the other art fair, which is happening this weekend in London. And so I have been working towards that over the last few months and I'm putting together a display that like you said in the introduction I do a lot of I have a lot of different disciplines I make films I make large-scale murals I make paintings I make screen prints and so I wanted to bring a bit of all of those elements into the art fair sort of display it in a cohesive way. And do you see yourself as spread across all of those areas equally or you feel you're particularly in, going in one direction? Yeah, quite equally, to be honest. I split my time up quite sort of distinctly. So if I'm painting canvases, 
I might spend like a few weeks on that or like a mural that's like a dedicated time in a location, films, you know, on on set, like making the film. So like a project, whatever that project might be, I treat it individually. But in terms of one thing taking over, I really like all of them for their different merits. Like there's so many different ways to to tell a story. And I think, you know, filmmaking for me is the ultimate sort of storytelling and the different elements of my work, I think, feed into that that narrative. Yes, I think you can tell that by looking at all your different types of work. There's a really strong style that goes across them all. You can tell it's a Joe Peel piece. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell me about the themes that you explore in those works as you're, as I said, looking at urban regeneration? It's a lot to do with the sort of urban generation's effect on humans. And so I, I deliberately leave people out of my work, but I think it makes it more more powerful because the person can looking at the work can hopefully put their own experience into the place. And I think that we connect very deeply to places. And so I certainly do. And so when I when I look at a place, I really read it from from the small details, you know, like old buildings, new buildings, the, the sort of way that they they play with each other and like things can degenerate and sort of and regenerate and plants can grow through and it's like this sort of constant story of like living and being in a space and how we sort of fight the the natural environment to sort of create places to live yes and you bring in the natural environment and the urban into your work don't you yeah sometimes literally plants I think sometimes literally yeah (laughs) in your installation I've been working with horticulturalist Nigel Dunnett we first collaborated together at Chelsea Flower Show and created a green green wall and what like a mural so it's like a 3d sort of installation mural in the in the Chelsea Flower Show garden since that initial meeting we've been working together a few times sort of building on that because his work puts plants into urban environments he's sort of actually physically reclaiming spaces that would have been like paving or Mm. you know and, and sort of bringing it back to a more natural space Um, (laughs) this is where my horticultural language (laughs) fails me yeah so I sort of had already been working on like I made an animation called things change in 2012 and that was dealing with the idea of like human impermanence in Mm -hmm. terms of like if we leave like the plants grow back and sort of physically thinking about how nature would take back over urban spaces and so we sort of got together and were quite excited about these ideas because like he's doing it literally I was thinking of it in a sort of more I guess post-apocalyptic way (laughs) but you know like future narrative and like but then we worked out how we could bring that into the present and made a a green wall and artwork collaboration on the outside of my studio building in Sheffield and so it's like yeah like a real experiment of how to to bring plant life into the urban environment and yeah show what can be done. And with your work are you trying to project some sort of message about these spaces that you're creating or is it more just observation and sort of just telling the story of the space or do you have some message that you're trying to to share with your viewers yeah I think there is a there is a message the message is you know stop (laughs) listen yeah (laughs) um, very um but you know like care about your environment think about your environment like um and so by noticing the small details and noticing why things have been done, 
think about how to do them better and how how to sort of integrate plants into the urban environment how to think about your environment to consider considerate construction and communities and you know like I I think that's why gentrification is so poignant for me because like the displacement involved and people you know whose home and environment is is all about where they are and and they just uh, you know relocated somewhere completely new and you know that feeds into like wider narratives happening at the moment and you know people who lose their home it's like a it's a huge deal and so I think like I don't like um create like overtly political work but I'm just trying to look at like how to how to deal with those feelings I suppose on a sort of on that on a more micro level that hopefully feeds into a larger narrative I think you can tell that from your work because you put such care into all the details like every (laughs) even like every single brick and the way you paint the windows and it, it's just really beautifully done oh, in thank you. ways that <laughs> uh, views that might not be considered that beautiful or might not be noticed, but you you bring them to life. And then that's just in your painting. But when you animate it and create a whole film, then it's just elevates it all over again. I think lots of people that know your work know you for your murals. Can you tell me about those and how they came about? And are you still creating them? It's interesting because obviously murals are like the biggest and most public part of my work. They are really important to me because I really like being able to create work in public spaces that's um, open for everyone to see. And, you know, it's like when looking at the environment and um, and reflecting it back onto people, like to be able to do that publicly is like an amazing opportunity. And also I just love the physicality of painting a mural Mm. like getting up high climbing ladders like reaching (laughs) far you know like battling weathers like and basking in the sunshine it's like it it appeals to my uh more adventurous nature (laughs) (laughs) and I heard on an Instagram live recently that you said it was quite organic the way you draw the murals like you don't plan it all out I know some artists that do large-scale pieces even shine uh, project the image onto the wall and then paint or paint it but yours I think a lot more organic so when you're facing a wall how where do you start I usually start with the the bursts of sky and the sunshine behind so I like to look at the wall and I I consider the composition and think about like how how big I want like because I generally put like a big orange sun in the mural and these big bursts of turquoise blue like stretching behind it and they sort of um create the the initial composition and then the the buildings sort of grow up quite organically which is something that like through the animations as well like when I build the buildings in the animations I start from the bottom and I build them up upwards brick by brick so it's sort of almost like you would build a real cityscape so <laughs> starting with you know a few buildings like just like quite spread out on the landscape and then like filling out filling in the gaps and then mm. um, yeah so it's um and I, li- I like to approach a wall not really knowing what I'm going to do because I think there's so much more scope to bring the place that I'm in into the wall because I think like if if something's been nailed down and sort of like signed off as a design and then you get to the wall and it's like, oh, but there's this amazing bump here that mm-hmm. could be like a part of a building or like 
the way this drain pipe like comes down wasn't really in the photograph and like I could really incorporate that and it's like yeah that like there's something about the organicness and I think like I, I paint buildings but I like them to be quite organic so mm-hmm. it's like yeah taking that sort of architectural like element of the straight line out of the architecture yeah. <laughs> well I guess it's good because then you're flexible and you're not thrown when you get on site and it's different absolutely and yeah I mean I don't have to rely on a projector which mm. is just amazing because every time I rely on technology I have yeah it fills me with fear because something <laughs> could go wrong and you can't control it and it's like yeah there's um you know it's enjoy it's enjoyable there are you know when there are things always that you can't control like the weather and like that's part mm. of the challenge but I think like knowing that whatever's thrown at you you can do something like yeah is is nice so what would happen if you turned up and it was really bad weather do you just have to wait and yeah it's happened one of the biggest murals I've done was in Sheffield city center and I had like a week to paint it and it had a really strict deadline and it rained like every day except one and so I I basically worked a sort of what was it 15 16 hour paint stretch from wow uh, without even stopping for lunch or a drink or anything like that and I used all of my adrenaline <laughs> and then the next day I was sick I was really sick afterwards because oh, no. I, I yes. literally you know like it's like you get these sec- I, I got my second wind and third wind mm. and I just like yeah sort of I managed to do it and I was I painted so fast and I just like did it but um yeah it's hard work and I've had mm. it before where the paint washes off the wall oh is, no yeah yeah um, so that final piece that you did so intensely, what was it like? Did, were you pleased with it? And- I don't know, actually. I, it felt um, I had to just sort of lie down in a dark room and not look at it for a while. <laughs> I find like with all of my murals, like they're quite an expression of effort. And mm. like, so often when I finish them, and I do the same with my paintings too, actually, like it takes a lot longer to do my paintings. But at the end, I like to just turn them to look at like, away from mm-hmm. me and just like because at some point it just has to be finished and I have to walk away and like I don't know I think it's quite co- like most artists like never really happy with anything so it's like that's the sort of journey and you're constantly trying to like reach that point where you're happy and you never are so <laughs> it's like you have to just walk away and yeah, uh, yeah. get on with the next thing <laughs> <laughs> and so can you tell me about some of the murals you've done as commissions and how that's worked do you mean the commissioning process itself or like the fit? Um, yes. Yeah. I'd love the, to know about that or how they came about and where the ideas came from. So you did um, one for the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. Yeah. Didn't you? And the South Balance Centre and obviously the flower show. So there's quite a few to choose from, but yeah. do you have a particular favourite? I think they all, they all started with an email from someone that I knew. The Olympic Park, it was through Monica Projects. And through working with Frankie at Monica Art Fair, and we'd worked together on a few projects, and he put me forward for the proposal. So it's like often with those types of commissions, like they're like, we want you, but we want to know what you're going to do, and so mm-hmm. you sort of have to work with them to create a, a pitch, and I th- they sort of proposed it to the art, um, like planners of the Olympic Park, and yeah. like the so we proposed like a lot for that actually it was like I did a 50 meter long animation as well as a 200 meter long mural and an installation in which like some of the 
mural was cut out so you could look through the windows and behind were these little scenes and so the the whole mural was about the area because Hackney Wing is what yeah. like massively like in a state of flux and gentrification especially around the Olympic Park you know it was a place where people lived because it was cheap and it was in the middle of nowhere and it was like a great space for artists with big warehouses and then all of a sudden people had other ideas for the area and didn't really have any ideas about what the people who already lived there and made it their home should do and so it was for me a real sort of homage to like an adi- a record of like the places that made up that place as it was then mm. um and then you look through the windows and um there were these little boxes with house like sculptures of houses for like up up for rent and holes in the ground and things like that and so how did you do your research for those people and those places that you were paying homage to just by existing in the spaces I suppose like yeah it's so easy to and I think like you know in terms of the story like it's kind of always the same there's personal stories within it but like it's like it's part of a wider narrative it's kind of obvious isn't it like yeah (laughs) And tell me about your experiences with Monica Art Fair and Monica Projects and how, well, we can talk about how you see yourself in the kind of the urban art world. Um, But let's start with Monica, because obviously, yes, I'm familiar with Monica, having worked with Frankie through the other art fair and loved what they did with the fair in terms of creating really unusual spaces to show work and really big, ambitious installations. And it's just such an exciting space to be in. Um, So... Did you showed at the fair, didn't you? Yeah, and, um, an amazing installation. <laughs> yeah, I created an installation of a street scene that was um, you, you'd like walked through the street scene, and it had different sections where you'd look through windows and doors and openings, and like each one was its own installation. So the first one was this housing estate that was like being redeveloped and then the second one had like paintings and then right at the end it was a dark space and I was showing my animation so it was like a a journey down this corridor in fact that led to the installation that I did on the South Bank because the people from South Bank Centre saw that installation and were like would you like to do an installation for our winter (laughs) festival and so yeah Oh, that must have been exciting when you got that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It was really good. Too. And were you nervous about taking on the commission for the South Bank? Or did you just um, feel confident that you know what your work is and what you're trying to do? I guess, I think I was, it, it was a while ago, so I think I, f- I would feel much more confident now. I can't, so hard to remember, like, mm. yeah, but I think... You know, it was a big project for me, but I was I was mainly excited and just like that energy is what propels you forward, isn't it? Mm. To just make it happen. Yes, so, definitely. Um, yeah. And what do you think about the term urban art and do you see yourself as part of it? <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, so, it's such a weird sort of, um, yeah. I'm, I mean, I sort of, I must be part of it because like I've got so many friends who are doing that and, you know, I, like when I go to these private views, like I'm like, it's like going to a school reunion or something, you know? It's like I'm part of this scene and it's great and it's lovely, but, like, in terms of, like, you know, books and the art world, I don't think... I don't know if I have, like, a place under the table in terms of people's recognition of my place in it, and that, like, really doesn't bother me because I know that I sit slightly aside from the urban art world. You know, I'm not a street artist. I'm not, like... I don't know. I... I don't really know what I am. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm sort of yeah, I think I used to 
want to work out what I was and trying to define that more but I'm becoming more at peace with the fact that Mm. I'm just like and I think especially getting more into making films as well it's like that's a whole new world I think it can be confusing for people like to like not be in a box but like yeah yeah and I think there's lots of artists that are like that now particularly now artists can be more independent and follow their own paths and find their own opportunities they can do more what they want and they don't have to fit in a box as you say but do you ever want to be more in the traditional white wall gallery world with your work or not not really it's nice to be recognized and for people to to say that they like what you do it always (laughs) is you know it's like but it's like it's not the be all and end all but um because I I feel like lucky that I'm just able to make work you know Mm -hmm. I yeah make work every day it's my full-time job I live off it it's always nice to have things that you're aiming towards but yes that's amazing that you can you can be a full-time artist was there a moment when you switched to that or have you always just been making it work I think I don't I don't think it wasn't like a moment I think it was it was a long arduous stretch (laughs) (laughs) I used to like when I lived in London I used to like work on events and films and I also used to be an interior designer and I sort of always thought I'd do like the interior design and the event work as like to earn money and then I was like making artwork on the side because I used to live in Cornwall and then and I still you know I drew like the urban environment and it was like it just didn't go down very well in Cornwall (laughs) (laughs) they don't have there's not an audience for that sort of work you know and then so when I moved to London I started showing people my work and they started responding to it and I was like oh wow and then you know I was lucky enough to be in exhibitions and then my work started selling and that and then I started making screen prints and started dropping the shifts with the other work and then it was like oh I'm not doing work for those companies anymore I'm just like yeah doing my own thing because it was all sort of freelance anyway and now your working week how do you split up between your different projects I tend to like make quite distinct lists of like so projects I do it all on paper I can't do my calendar on like on the computer and so I've got a diary and I try and like keep the admin tasks like to Mondays so like even if something comes up and I'm like oh I must do that I'll like write it on the next Monday's page I'll like write my lists like so it's like out of my brain and um and then like more pressing things I'll obviously do like straight away normally because I I, (laughs) like I like to just like either sort of write it down or do it like I'm Mm -hmm. quite and then um and then I try to sort of when I'm painting in the studio, like just turn everything off and just paint and like set aside whether it's a day, two days, an afternoon, like just make sure that time's like mine. And the same, you know, when I'm like, for example, doing the other art fair, like which I'll be doing next week, like I'll, I'll just be doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, yeah, work out how to do all the other stuff when I get back. Because <laughs> <laughs> I imagine your animation and the filmmaking, it takes up a lot of time, doesn't it? Yeah, especially, and the animation, you know, there's not, and I think, yeah, I like, that's what I like about it, like the filmmaking and the murals, you know, you're on location, Mm. you're painting, you can't just sort of pop down and like, yeah, do anything. And tell me about your recent film, Gravity. I watched it recently and I absolutely loved it. It was such a fantastic mix of the film and then your work and I loved how you had the illustrations even 
the drops coming out of the tap and it's your drawings I was just I thought it was brilliant (laughs) thank you yeah it was a classic sort of lockdown project really it was like oh I've got this time and like no like pressing like projects or deadlines and like a bit of space to to do something and I was like yeah I built the set in my friend's studio because she was away so we had a bit of a deadline as well it was like before she gets back (laughs) to take the solving down yeah the filmmaker who uh, made it with with me Jordan Carroll he was also free and he's all like normally super busy so we were able to film it all in a day and then I spent the rest of the time like the, the, all the other weeks just alone in the studio painting the animation yeah it was great to be able to have the opportunity to really focus on something like that and like and just do it because in normal times like it would have been harder to prioritize that amount of time mm. to be animating in the studio and what would your hope for the film to be now, now that you've made it and it's ready? I'm super happy with it existing. And like, it's for me, it's like I'm moving on to the next one already. And yeah. I like, yeah, it was a really nice way to sort of work towards more live action, which I've not done before and like find my feet with that sort of thing and like how to integrate animation and live action, get more adventurous with the storytelling And so I'm writing, I've written a script for a new film that I'm applying for funding for. And it's much more live action. I'm building all the sets. Wow. And so one of, yeah, part of the set is going to be at the other art fair. Because I'm, yeah, but it's a really good opportunity to put that together. And then, so I'm basically, want to create a series of short films that work towards being able to get enough budget to actually do something with the animation and live action Mm. on the sort of level with, of gravity, but with, budget because that was literally zero budget and like it's very rare that you can spend that much time yeah working on something (laughs) without earning any money well it really showcases your skills and I can imagine (laughs) an organization coming along and saying we would love this we'd love to make something like this yeah yeah with things change it was like globally recognized it went yeah viral (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was like flown to like film festivals in Italy and like got into like encounters in Bristol and then like Chanel contacted me, which was like the weirdest. I was like, who's this Chanel? Chanel. Oh, it's actually Chanel. Okay. They wanted me to like do some animations for their screens in Asia. So it was just like, yeah, literally just got people emailing me like, oh, will you do this? So it's like, it's just amazing like where things come from. Like, yeah, as an artist, you spend many years just sort of knocking on doors constantly. And then suddenly everyone's just like knocking on yours. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's hard to tell how much momentum you're building up and then I think suddenly it just explodes by one one thing happens. Yeah, but also those explosions sort of like they happen and then they die off and, you know, it's not always, yeah, it's like it's really interesting how it all... And did you send in your film to all those film festivals? Did you apply? No. um, They just, (laughs) they wrote to me and said... It was, yeah, it was crazy because it was the first time I'd ever made something like that and I'd literally... I mean, to be honest, you know, I I lost my place in London because of it, because I spent so much time on the animation that I just, like, you know, I spent a month working on it. I could pay the rent, but I was just really nervous that after the next month, like, I hadn't, like, put any work in place. So I, like, had to, like, hand in my notice and, yeah, sort of ended up <laughs> back in Sheffield. But it was, you know, it was like, it was part of a bigger thing in which, like, you know, London was, like, everything was just getting so much more expensive and like I wanted to be able to take more creative risks so I'd put all of this energy in and and it felt yeah it's always at least sort of finished something exhausted like having a rest and then like 
I'll see how it's doing. And it's just like looking on Vimeo and it was just like these sort of like click, 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 click. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, like people. And then like so-and-so shared. And then it was like, it's been shared in Germany. Oh, cool. And then Poland and Russia, America. <laughs> like every, And you're like, oh my God. Like, and then, yeah, it just, it was crazy. I've never had anything before or since like that. It was just, it was completely just did it itself and then like yeah. just emails just started pouring in and I was like that's oh. amazing so from you just putting it out there you ended up with like Chanel coming along and saying yeah emailing <laughs> me direct and saying like we really like your work can you do something for us <laughs> well I suppose it just shows if you have a really unique and exciting product and or artwork then people will it, it could get out there and people will love it exactly and it's like yeah for me it was like it was hard putting that much energy and sort of like everything that I had into making something yeah but in that instance it paid off in others it hasn't so you know it's like but you know that's the thing with it you know like you have to take like I don't know you don't like taking risks can pay off like if you can sort of do things and just keep doing what you're good at and like repetitively and that Mm. can also work really well and like you can create something that's very marketable but if in terms like for me I just love to experiment and do new things and sometimes yeah. it pays off and sometimes it doesn't like sometimes things just don't resonate with people and they like oh they might be a slower burner maybe mm. yes yeah so tell me about your move to Sheffield what's it like as a creative city and do you enjoy working there as an artist yeah Sheffield's amazing as a creative city it's got like the largest concentration of artists outside London the studio spaces are great like my studio's just incredible it's like got a mezzanine level and like a huge open space where I can like make installations or meet people or I recently shot a music video in there and like have live gigs and stuff so it's got like and space to like make an animation I made another yeah I've made two music videos in the studio space and it's like just having these sort of musicians in there like playing and like being able to build the sets and like having that space to move around and then you know it's like a two minute walk from the train station it's really amazing community like creative community around there there's a load of other art studios there's like hundreds of people in the actual studio itself all with like amazing skills and like mm. transferable you know you like got metal metal workers ceramicists like jewelers people in all sorts of disciplines and we all just like you're like I need to make this can you help and like everyone's just so helpful and lovely <laughs> yeah. and like and people just have have time I guess which is really lovely and how about the showcasing exhibition opportunities in the city because I know you've shown at the Millennium Gallery yeah the Millennium Gallery is an amazing space to show as like a a public gallery because Mm. it's right in the heart of Sheffield and it's actually got like a thoroughfare running through it in which like people are encouraged to walk through the space instead of around it just to get into the city centre so people do like just walk through as a shortcut and then they're exposed to art that they might not otherwise see. And so, again, it's like it's got that sort of element that murals have got where you're sort of engaging with an audience that are coming through that might not have, like, taken the time to, like, go to a gallery and might feel like, oh, I can't... I yeah. don't know. Like, I think people are still scared of going to galleries. They feel like they're supposed to feel a certain way or, like, yeah. be educated enough to understand something. So it's always nice to be able to engage on a bigger level. And what did you do for them? I did an exhibition called Steel Cities and it was um it was about the steel heritage of Sheffield, but it was like it's like a sort of well sort of trodden narrative. There's a lot of 
knife and fork sort of work in Sheffield. I don't know. And it's like, and it's amazing heritage and it's like, it's good to be proud of it, but I'm more interested in like the dialogue of how that affects the city mm. narrative now. And so I went over to Pittsburgh in America, which is also a steel city. Yeah. And I paralleled the two cities to see how having that sort of in post-industrial narrative within the city plays into the modern day industry like be it like an independent cafe or a tattoo parlor or a bakery looking at the similarities between the two places which again is like another narrative and my more international work which is like that you know we're all the same mm-hmm. and it's like how much like the nature nurture thing isn't it and it's like how much like a, a shared history can affect the present day mm-hmm. And tell me about your new body of work based around Japan. So I've been making work based around Japan for the last six years, actually, since my daughter was born and I was on the maternity leave. And so it was like a really good opportunity to create work without an output. I guess, you know, like, I guess it's a bit like the uh, the pandemic. It was like time with no work. <laughs> so it was like, oh, what shall I do? I'll uh, do loads of work now. I wasn't working, honestly. I was just painting. And I've been traveling to Japan for well over 10 years now. And it's somewhere that just has always connected with me in terms of like how different we. And I think it's changing like the narrative now, but when, especially when I first started going, it was like sort of just so othered. And it is so different, but those differences are interesting and cultural and like they're still people I think we're quite used to seeing a lot of images of Japan there's like lots of stereotypes that are brought about and I just wanted to look at a more sort of quiet side of Japan and see it just through my eyes I guess like without sort of like a judgment or sort of sensationalizing like things that were happening and and um, I was particularly interested in the the sort of reverence for nature and like looking after trees and sort of wrapping them and I've been making a sculpture about a building sort of being treated like a tree and sort of like really sort of linking the sort of nature and building element of my work and also there's a bit of that Japanese spirituality like Mm. well I suppose the great thing about your approach and what you do is you can go to new places and apply almost the same ideas and the same way of looking at it but then just respond to the environment exactly so many similarities but so many differences and the differences are are often to do with actual physical environment houses built in a certain way to withstand earthquakes or because it's cold or because it's hot and it's you know it's like all of these things like weaving into like then how people yeah react to that environment Mm -hmm. and yes i mentioned this in the introduction the queen in front of your work at the flower show (laughs) that must have been quite a surprise well, I mean, it was it was in the RHS garden, so it was it was sort of known from the beginning actually that the garden that we were creating was like the meeting point for like all of the celebs and the queen. And okay. So it was yeah, it was quite cool. Though. It was quite an interesting thing. Like yeah, it's a it's an amazing operation when people of that caliber are coming into a space. Mm. Yeah. I saw the photo on your Instagram, and I think it's such a strong image of everything that the queen represents. Whatever you think about that, and then your work, which yeah. is. It's it's just quite different worlds. Well, it was quite. <laughs> and I did a um, press conference while I was there because it was, um, yeah, part of the sponsorship and everything. And uh, I did an interview with the Daily Mail, and they like 
absolutely annihilated me. It was amazing. I was, I was so proud. I was like, oh my god. They're just like, yeah. I think the the words were uh, ugly and urban. What has Chelsea Flower Show come to? And it was just oh, like. No. Bless him. But um, yeah, that, it was quite interesting because that was obviously the dialogue that they wanted to get out of me that like, yeah, like, you know. I feel like that's just an easy kind of angle to take. Yeah. Your work rather than thinking about it. More exactly. Deeply. And it was like, yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for this whole conversation. It was great. Do you have any words of advice that you would give to someone starting out? Oh my goodness. I feel like you've already words said of, so words much. Of advice. <laughs> just keep doing it. Just keep doing it there's no secret some people do manage to get overnight success from one thing that connects but you know the constant steady work ethic seems to be the the best way forwards because you will get rejected and you will be selected both both happen mm. well thank you so much joe and good luck with the fair this weekend i'm really thank excited you very about much. seeing your thank boot. you for having me <laughs> thank you for joining me this week Please do follow Joe at Joe underscore Peel and the podcast at The Visible Artist Podcast. I hope you have a wonderful week in the studio and I'll see you next Friday. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.